the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you, even in a time disaster with thousands and thousands being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship today. If you're watching online, we welcome you. And we serve a great and awesome God. And He is awesome in this place. He is moving. He is up to something good. He is changing nations. He's getting a people ready. Amen. And Father, we are here today to do our part. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus. We're going to yield to your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we're going to heed the Word of God. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise for doing great and mighty things right here, right now. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor that is due your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
you have to see resurrection. If your children aren't walking with God, they need to wake up. They are sitting on dry bones. The enemy, they've been exposed to all the elements of the enemy every day. Wild animals. All kinds of garbage. Your grandchildren. All of them need to come into kingdom. And you're going to sing them in this morning. Are you ready? Hallelujah.
You got a shout at you today? A shout of victory? A shout of overcoming? Hallelujah! Because, quite frankly, we've already won. We're not going to win. We already won. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for making anything impossible possible. You are the God of possibilities. And we are your people, Father. And you said nothing is impossible to them that believe. Lord, we believe your word. We believe in you. We believe in our God. Hallelujah. We believe in the name of Jesus. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. And Father, we know that your presence is here with us right now. And we thank you that you speak to us. This is a mountain-moving moment. Speak to whatever mountain stands in your way. Command it to be cast into the sea. Do not doubt in your heart, but believe whatsoever you say, and it shall be done for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Don't they do a wonderful job? Glory to God. We're so grateful for our musicians and singers. And any more that want to come join. Help us in our sound and all those things. Glory to God. Amen. Well, we're going to declare the word of the Lord some more. Amen. We want to invite everyone to join us as we make our confession of faith. Let's make our confession. We We ask ask our God, God, the glorious Father of Jesus, for spiritual wisdom and insight that we may grow in our knowledge of God. We know the Father through Jesus, and we are deepening our intimacy with him. We believe believe God's light is opening our imagination and understanding so we can know what he has called us to do. We believe that we can benefit from his rich and glorious inheritance in us, and we are learning how to function in his immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing power that works in us because we believe. We believe that we can function in the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The same power that makes Jesus far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. We are his body. We are made full and complete by Christ. 
who fills all things everywhere with himself. We are victorious overcomers and reign as kings in this life through his grace. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen and amen. Good morning, VCF. I'm so excited for today. Okay, so today is Sunday, March 20th. Tuesday is youth group. And since we've been doing announcements for a while, can anybody tell me what time youth group starts? Yes, 6 p.m. We have um, ongoing fundraisers back at the booth, and we have new products every week. We do have some signature styles, too, so check those out. And if you have any requests or ideas or suggestions, you can talk to any one of the youth for ideas. Wednesday is Wednesday night refreshing. What time does Wednesday night start? 6.30. Woo! Okay. It is exciting to be at church in the middle of the week, and I love to be here as much as possible. And on Thursdays, we have Bible Adventure. I don't know what time that starts, but I do know that it's in the afternoon. <laughs> and that the kids come for one hour out of school from our local elementary schools. So if you are interested in volunteering with that, listening, van drivers, just participating and being part of changing the next generation that is coming up, you can see Mike or Chris Frenchek. And then Saturday is Barnabas. What time does Barnabas start? 8.30. You guys didn't know you were getting quizzed today, right? <laughs> so Barnabas is at 8.30. Pastor Doug has a message, and they have breakfast, and it is good breakfast. All right. And then our woven conference is just only a few weeks away. It is April 8th and April 9th, a Friday and a Saturday. Our speakers will be Dr. Michael Jacobs, and he's going to talk about the ministry of angels and come with questions because he's going to do a Q&A session. You can register by donation on the website, in the bookstore. You can mail it in. we got lots of options for everybody. And we have these cards that have a QR code on the back as well. So you can take those to people, and they can just scan it with their camera, and it takes them right to where they're supposed to register. All right, so my fact for today, I'm very excited about this. I read about fireworks. So fireworks is like two explosions, okay? The first one is gunpowder, that like the, so the fuse lights the gunpowder, and that's what sends it up into the sky. So that's the first explosion. The second one is the chemical salts that are in the middle, and that's what makes like the big boom and the, all the pretty lights that we like to see. So it's twofold. So I was excited because, one, the Holy Spirit, he's our flame, right? He's the fire. So when you get lit, 
first thing that happens is you take off into a different atmosphere. Right? And then the second explosion, I was asking God what that was because I was like, we got a lot of options. So I believe that he said that it is your love walk and your obedience. So when that gets lit up, then you explode for all the world to see. Those salts that are inside, that's what causes the different colors, which I also thought about that verse that says you're the salt of the earth. I always thought, you know, like flavor or like, you know, what you use salt for is like cooking or, I don't know, packing some sort of wound. But I did not know that you use salt in fireworks. Isn't that awesome? So you have that power inside of you to be explosive for all the world to see. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to read a quote from um, one of my friends who is a pastor in Illinois. He's the one that trained me in evangelism. <laughs> and uh, he, he, he posted this. He said, how does the thief on the cross fit into your theology? No baptism. No communion, no confirmation, no speaking in tongues. No mission trip, no volunteerism, and no church clothes. Right? He couldn't even bend his knees to pray. He didn't, even, he didn't say the sinner's prayer, and among other things, he was a thief. Jesus didn't take away his pain, heal his body, or smite the scoffers. Yet, it was a thief who walked into heaven the same hour as Jesus, simply by believing. Can you say amen? He had nothing more to offer other than his belief that Jesus was who he said he was. No spin from brilliant theologians, no ego or arrogance, no shiny lights, skinny jeans, or... Crafty words. <laughs> no haze machines, donuts or coffee in the entrance. Just a naked dying man on a cross, unable to fold his hands to pray. Yet his faith in God got him where he needed to be. What will your faith in God do? Amen? God made it easy. All we have to do is have faith in God. Believe who he is and what he's done. Amen. I want to read to you a scripture from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 24. Hannah wanted something from God that she didn't have. She wanted a son. And she was persecuted and taunted and ridiculed for not having any children, by her rival. And, uh, she, you know, she, when you get to the point when enough is enough, you bring out the big guns, and she started to pray. Amen? And she prayed to God, and God get granted her request and gave her a son, and she named him Samuel, which means God hears. And we're going to read in verse 24 of chapter 1. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, 
and a leather bottle of wine to pour over the burnt offering for a sweet fragrance. And she brought Samuel to the Lord's house in Shiloh, although the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the child to Eli. Hannah said, O my Lord, as surely as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood beside you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my request, which I asked of him. Therefore, I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord, and they worshipped the Lord there. If anybody understands that every good things come from God, it was Hannah. Because she knew that God gave her a son, but then she in turn gave her son to God. Amen. And from this moment, the moment he was weaned, and when she brought him to the temple, he stayed in the temple. And she only visited him once a year. Amen. That's giving. Amen. And uh, I just want to encourage you today in your giving. You have an opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. Amen. With your tithes and your offerings. You can give at any time during the service. If you make a check, make it out to VCF. You can put it in our seed planters on either side there. If you're watching this online, you can certainly go to our website and do it that way. Or there's all kinds of ways for you to do it. If, if you don't, uh, if you if you want to give and you don't have a way, just ask us and we'll let you know. Amen. Father, I just speak a blessing over every gift and giver, Lord. And I thank you that you reward them and you bless them richly and abundantly and bountifully. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right. We are so honored and privileged to be able to have kids life. That's kids living in faith every day. It's a Holy Ghost curriculum that they're taught. Amen. And uh, we just want to take, take this opportunity. Now, kids, get ready for your class. Teachers, get ready for your class. And we're going to dismiss you now, kids. Have a great and wonderful time. Be blessed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. And how's everybody doing this morning? Y'all doing good? Praise the Lord. All right, getting everything set here. How many would like to increase the power of your prayers? Amen. God, God has given us the ability to pray, to communicate to God, but he wants us to be able to pray effectively. And powerfully. And he wants your prayers to prevail. Amen? To overcome. You know, through prayer, you can overthrow the work of the enemy. Through prayer, you can stop the enemy in his tracks. And, uh, you know, through prayer, God rescues us. He delivers us. He provides for us. And uh, it can be done anywhere, any place, any time. And every believer has the ability to pray. And um, God wants us to have power readily available at your earnest request. P-R-A-Y-E-R. Power readily available. You know that there's power readily available? How do you access it at your earnest request or your every request? So this morning, we're going to talk to you about uh, prayers that prevail. 
prayers that prevail. I want you to go with me to the book of Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. And uh, we're going to begin here. Hallelujah. He says something very interesting to the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 1, verse 12. The Bible says, Then said the Lord unto me, You have well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. That word hasten means to watch over. Did you know that God is watching over? God is listening. He is expecting his word to come back to him so that he can perform it. How does God's word come back to him when you and I speak his word? Amen? If you're going to have prayers that are going to be powerful and effective and that are going to prevail, you're going to have to pray according to the word. This is the all-access key to the power of God and to every benefit that God offers and promises. So God, when we pray, we ought to be able to communicate God's word back to him. Right? We ought to be able to, to say God's word back to him because he is waiting to perform it. Why? God's a man of his word. He is a man of his word. How did he create this world? He spoke it. He said, light be. The words that came out of God's mouth produced a power that brought something into being. Right? So God does things by his word. Say that with me. Say God does things. By his word. Amen? All right. Let's look at Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. All right. I'm encouraging you to pray the word of God. Isaiah 55 and verse 11. So shall my word be. That goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me. Notice, returning unto me. How does God God's word return unto me? Because when people say his word, right? It does not return unto me void or empty or without uh, result, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing where I sent it. Now, God's word doesn't bounce back to him like a rubber ball when you throw it against the wall. But God's word does come unto him to everyone who speaks his word. We have been given the ability to speak the word of God. We have been given the authority to speak the word of God. Amen? We can declare the word and we can get the results that Jesus got. Amen? Okay? Go, go with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to look at verse uh, 35. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I love the word. 
I've, I've dove into the, the, the word pool and I haven't gotten out yet. And it's so deep, I, I'm not even able to touch the bottom. Glory to God, I love the word of God. How about you? You love the word? The word is our rescue line. The word is our benefit package. The word is our spiritual armor. We do everything by the word of God. Amen? God sent his word and healed them. Glory to God. All right, Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall what? Never pass away. See, God's word is eternal. God's word is forever established in the heavens. God, God's word is so good, it doesn't have to change. Nothing has ever been, nothing has ever had to been added to it or taken away from it. God's word is so good, so solid, so powerful, so rich that it is good just the way he said it. Amen. God meant what he said and he said what he meant. Every word that the Holy Spirit inspired to write in this book. Now, some of the words aren't inspired, but the recording of it is inspired, right, for our benefit. Okay? All right? Go with me to Numbers chapter 23. Numbers chapter 23. I didn't realize I was coming to a finger exercise uh, thing today, but yeah, you are. Numbers 23 and verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. You'll never hear God say after he spoke, oops. He doesn't have to. All right. Has, has he said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God always does what he says. That's what makes it reliable, trustworthy, right? We teach the Bible adventure students the one phrase that they know, the Bible is all true. Amen? We always say the Bible is what? And they say, it's all true. I love to hear the kids' voices say that. Right? It gives them some stability in their life. Okay? Go to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah. Well, go to Isaiah 40 first. On the way to 45, we're going to stop and take a a view at uh, Isaiah 40, verse 8. Isaiah 40, verse 8. It basically says the same thing that Matthew 24, 35 says. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall what? Stand forever. Stand forever. Now go to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, verse 23. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Notice what it says. I have sworn by myself. The word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. 
that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Amen? When, when God speaks something, it doesn't have to, it, it's not going to change. It doesn't have to change. Why? It's perfect. It's good. It's pure. Amen? God, God's word is the key to everything. All right? And uh, Martin Luther said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to live without breathing. How many know that prayer is important? But it's the kind of prayer that's important. You know, I'm not so much excited when people say, I'm praying for you, because I don't know what they're praying. Right? But when I know what you're praying and it's in line with the word of God, that makes me exciting. I mean, there could be a hundred people that say, oh, we're praying for you, Pastor. That's great, but I don't know what you're praying. So don't put your faith in how many people are praying for you. That makes no difference whatsoever. It's what they're praying that makes a difference. I mean, they could be praying, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder where you are. Right? How's that going to help me? Amen? That's not going to help me at all. All right? Charles Spurgeon said this. True prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. (laughs) It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. All right? I want you to go with me to James chapter 5. This is the meat of the message right here. James chapter 5. And we're going to start with verse 13. He says here, Is there, is any among you afflicted? Or you could say, is any among you suffering? You're suffering harm or persecution or hardship. What did he tell the afflicted to do? Let him pray. You know, he he said if you're afflicted, he didn't say call your neighbor. Did he? He said if you're afflicted, um, don't throw a tantrum. He didn't say that. But he did say something specific. When you're afflicted, if you're suffering, if you're under affliction or hardship or trial or trouble, there is one thing that you can do. Stop, drop, and pray. Amen? Let him, is there anyone afflicted? Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Let him pray. The one who is afflicted pray. Amen? Well, it's it's good to know how to pray. Right? Then he said, is anyone merry or cheerful? Let him sing songs. Right? So if you're happy, sing. If you're happy and you know what, sing a song. (laughs) Amen? So, and then he said, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, why does he tell the sick person not to pray? Because sometimes sickness, maybe you're too weak to pray. 
and you need to call in. But the sick person is supposed to call the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Amen. Anointing him with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And if he's committed any sins, it'll be forgiven him and he'll raise him up. That's a powerful prayer. Right. So if you're afflicted, you pray. If you're happy, you sing. But if you're sick, call for someone else to pray for you. All right. You can call for the elders of the church, the leaders of the church. Right. And they're supposed to pray a certain way. They're supposed to pray the prayer of faith. We're going to find out what that is in just a minute. Okay, so whether you're suffering, whether you're cheerful, whether you're sick or whether you need to confess something, pray, pray, pray. Right. Because actually praise is a form of prayer. Praise is, is really a high form of prayer. So when you're when you're singing praise songs, you're actually praying. Amen. All right. So no matter what happens. No matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what emotions are going through you, uh, or pray. Amen? Prayer supersedes feelings and accesses the supernatural. If you want to get out of your situation, your tears won't get you out of your situation. Complaints won't get you out of that situation. But prayer will get you out of that situation. Prayer is like rocket fuel. It'll launch you from that circumstance into a new circumstance. Glory to God. So what is effective prayer? I am so glad that you asked. All right. What is effective prayer? Number one, it's powerful. If your prayers are to be effective, they need to be powerful. All right. Number two, it produces good results. If your prayers are effective, they're going to produce good results. Right. Number three, it invites and welcomes God's presence. In order for your prayers to be effective, you got to welcome God's presence. Amen. Why? Who are you praying to anyway? You're praying to God. And you and the prayer. When you pray according to the word, God hears you and God will act on your behalf. All right. Number four, what is effective prayer? It changes negative circumstances into positive circumstances. It changes negative circumstances into positive circumstances. Number five, effective prayer, it enforces God's judgment or releases God's mercy. It enforces God's judgment or releases God's mercy. Number six of what makes a prayer effective, it neutralizes evil. It neutralizes evil. To neutralize something means to take away its power for operating. Number seven. What is effective prayer? It's something every believer can do. Amen? Say, I can pray effectively. And you're in a place that is teaching you today how to pray. How to pray. Not just how to pray, but how to pray that your prayers prevail. How many want their prayers to prevail? Hallelujah. Okay, so if you're afflicted, pray. If you're happy, sing. If you're sick, 
call for someone to pray for you. Okay? What does it mean to pray? It means to offer prayer. It means to move towards an exchange. It's a transaction. What do you give in your prayers? You give God faith. What does he give you? He gives you his power. It's an exchange. Right? Prayer takes time, a little bit of time. But prayer is powerful and effective. All right? Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 19 for a second. 2 Kings chapter 19. There's all kinds of prayers in the Bible. The Bible lists people that pray. It, it lists prayers. I, you know, there's lots of prayers in the New Testament where Paul was praying for believers or he was praying for the church. I call them scriptural prayers, right? And uh, so, Second Kings chapter 19, we're going to look at a prayer here that was prayed by Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a king. He was a king in Judah. He was of the righteous line. Kings of Judah were normally equated with David because that was the righteous line. Kings of Israel were mostly predominantly evil, right? This is when the kingdom of Israel was divided. It had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, right? Northern kingdom was Judah, I think, and southern kingdom was Israel. If I got that mixed up, it's all right. So, um... Let's look at verse 14, 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord. Okay? So obviously this letter stirred some bad news. All right? And he took this letter. How many know when you get bad news, that's a good thing to present to God? Right? I remember Jesse Duplantis, when he, when he was building, he got a big bill for a building thing. He says, God, you got some mail. Amen? And he prayed before the Lord, and he said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwells between the cherubims. I want you to get a picture. He is picturing God dwelling at the mercy seat. Right? You've got to get this image when you pray. He's got the image of the throne on his mind. He said, you are God, even you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. What's he doing? He is magnifying God. He is putting God at the forefront. Notice, he's not even talking about the letter yet. The first thing that he does in prayer, he gets his focus right. God is bigger than my problem. Say that with me. Say, God is bigger than my problem. That's why you take every problem to him, because he can handle it. Amen? And you take it to him through prayer. Okay? Verse 16. Lord, bow down your ear and hear. Does God hear? Does God hear you when you pray? Are you confident that God hears you when you pray? Absolutely. You ought to be confident because God does hear you. He hears your voice. Your voice is distinct in God's ears. Even if everyone's talking at the same time, God has the ability to discern it all. Amen? 
Okay? You're an and open, Lord, your eyes and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which has sent him to reproach the living God. So Sennacherib apparently sent this message to Hezekiah that he was going to attack uh, where he was. Okay? And, uh, you know, Hezekiah took it to the source of his answer. And he said, of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their land, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were, they were no gods but the works of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, Lord our God, I beseech you, save, save us out of his hand, and all the kingdoms of the earth. So Hezekiah was about to be attacked He was about to be surrounded. He was about to be invaded, but he goes to God for deliverance. Amen? All the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, even you only. All right? Now, and then verse 20, God sent the answer. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus the Lord God of Israel... That which you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. How many know that when an enemy is coming against you, you need some prayers, you need a prayer that prevails? Amen? You've got to prevail over your enemy in prayer. We have that advantage. We have that privilege. Right? And, and, and the, the prophet came and told Hezekiah, God heard your prayer. Aren't you glad that God hears our prayers? Amen? Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Okay? We're going to come back to James. I haven't forgotten about that. Because that's the bread basket. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Did you know that prayer was part of your armor? Prayer is part of the armor. This is, this is the passage in which God talks to us about the armor of God. And then he says, after you're taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, praying always, notice this phrase, with all prayer. Everybody say all prayer. Other translations say all types of prayer or all manners of prayer. How many know that there are different prayers, right? Just quickly, there's the prayer of agreement. That's one type of prayer. There's the prayer of intercession. That's one type of prayer. There's prayer of supplication. That's one type of prayer, right? There is corporate prayer. That's another type of prayer. There's praying in tongues. That's another type of prayer, right? So we have an arsenal just like the military has different weapons, we have different types of prayers that we can use to prevail over our enemy. Now, which, which weapon do I use? Well, you've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you which weapon to use, right? Pray this, you know, pray this prayer or do it this way. But notice, praying always. We have got to maintain an attitude of prayer. Praying always means you are ready to pray at a moment's notice. Back in the Revolutionary War, 
they had people that were called Minutemen, right? They had to be ready for battle on a quick notice. Amen? How, how quickly does God have to notify you to pray? If God says, I want you to pray now, hold on a minute, God, I got to finish this. No, you drop what you're doing and you pray. Why? There's a reason for it. Listen, sometimes there will be an urgency. Sometimes you got to drop what you're doing and you got to stop, drop and pray. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Okay. And watching there until what are you watching? He, He said. He, he says watching. He didn't say close your eyes. You know, but sometimes we, get, we, we do it out of habit. It's not wrong to close your eyes. But sometimes you need to watch. Sometimes you need to watch and pray. I'm praying, but I'm watching. Amen? Why? You're looking out. Because you're praying and you're going to see the change, the, the, the dynamic change. Amen? Watching thereunto with all perseverance... And supplications for who? For all saints. You know, there's a lot of prayer that we're supposed to be praying for saints. Amen? Saints need prayer. Saints need to pray for saints. Right? So he says all prayer, all manner of prayer. Okay? Psalm 50, verse 15. Psalm 50, verse 15. He said, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will what? Deliver you, and will honor you, and, and you will honor me. When are you supposed to call on the Lord? In the day of what? Trouble. <laughs> when trouble brews, call the Lord. Do you got him on speed dial? Right? Is he your Facebook friend? Amen? Is he on Instagram? Yeah, God's got Instagram. He'll instantly give you an answer. All you got to do is call upon him. Amen. You, you never get a drop call. Okay. If God said call on me, you can call. He's got the best communication system anywhere. It's called the spirit network. Amen. You can call on him anywhere, anyplace, anytime, and he'll hear you. He'll answer you. All right. Go to Psalm 95 and verse 2. These are just encouraging us to pray. Psalm 95, verse 2, let us enter his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise to him in song. Praise, highest form of prayer. What are you doing? You're entering whose presence? You're entering God's presence. You enter through praise. Amen? Praise gets you in the door. Glory to God. All right? Go to Psalm 62. Psalm 62. And verse 8, Psalm 62 and verse 8, trust confidently in him at all times. Everybody say all times. Well, I just don't feel like trusting him. Trust him anyway. You don't go by your feelings. God, you you know what? God never asks us how we feel. You ever notice that? When when Jesus walked up to... uh, Martha and Mary, when their brother had just died, Jesus didn't say, how do you feel, Martha? Did he? No, he didn't. Um, when, when he walked up to the man sitting by the pool of Bethesda, who'd been there for a long time, 
He didn't say, uh, excuse me, sir, how do you feel? Right? But he did say, would you like to be made whole? Or would you like to be made well? Because the guy sitting there had lost his focus. He was waiting for someone else to do it for him when he could have done it all himself the whole time just by responding to the word of God. So God, God never asked us how we feel. Has, anyone, has God ever asked you how you feel about something? <laughs> no. Feelings are there, but they're irrelevant as far as God's purposes are concerned. So sometimes we got to override our feelings and emotions. Amen? Yes. Okay? Go to Psalm 105. Psalm 105. What am I doing? I'm encouraging you to pray. Verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all of his wonderful acts. Isn't that what Hezekiah did? He began to praise God. He began to magnify him. That's what he did, all right? He said, and devoutly praise him. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek and require of the Lord. How many seek? Listen, I require the Lord. Are you with me? Do you require the Lord? How often do you require him? Every day, every moment of the day, every hour, every minute, right? I require the Lord. I need him. Amen? I can do nothing of myself. I need God. I need his direction. I need his power. I need his guidance. I need his wisdom. And we all get that through prayer. That all comes to us. He goes on to say, seek and and require the Lord. Verse 4, seek and deeply long for the Lord and his strength and his power and might. Seek and deeply long for his face and his presence continually. This is what we do in prayer. We are seeking God. We're seeking his presence. We're going after it. What happens when you seek? You find. Well, I need an answer. What have you been seeking? When you seek him, you'll get an answer. Amen? Hallelujah. All right? Let's go back to James chapter 5. Let's go back to James chapter 5. Because he's teaching us something about prayer here. He said in verse 14, Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of what? The prayer of faith, that's a specific kind of prayer. Okay? Shall say the sick, the Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed any sins... It shall be forgiven him. Would you say that that produces results? So what is the prayer in faith? Or how do we pray in faith? You guys are awesome. I'm glad you asked that question. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to learn how to pray in faith. All right? How many that are here are in this building? Right? How'd you get in this building? You walked in. There's there an entrance, right? And you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're in here. 
right? Well, if the Bible says they pray in faith, you got to know exactly what you're doing when you pray in faith. Amen? Well, in order to pray in faith, you got to enter, right? There's an entrance. And once you enter into faith, you're in faith. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay? 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. These things have I written unto you. Did God write some things to us? Okay? Why did he write some things to us? That believe on the name of the Son of God. Oh, my goodness. Do you know that what God wrote to you is your source of faith? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The Word. Okay? These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So the reason that God wrote these things down so that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt. We can be confident. Amen? We, we can stand strong. We can know that we have eternal life. Glory to God. And that we can believe on the name of the Son of God. Okay? But he goes on, verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in him. Faith is confident. Notice where is the confidence. In order to be in faith, you've got to have confidence in God. You've got to be confident in God. You believe that God is able. doesn't matter what the question is, God is able. Amen? God is able to provide. God is able to heal. God is able to save. He's able to deliver. He's able to rescue, right? He's able to guide. Right? Doesn't matter what it is, God is able. God is able to help you uh, raise your family. God is able to help you influence your home. God is able. Amen? We got to put our trust in the ability of God. There's nothing, nothing is too hard for God. He told that to Mary. He said nothing is too hard. Everything to God is easy. To us it may seem hard, but to God it's easy. Glory to God. We serve a good God. Okay, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, this is pray, the prayer of faith. What is God's will? God's will is his word. God's will is everything that Jesus did and everything that Jesus said. Right? He said, I've come to do the will of him who sent me. So, Everything in the Bible is God's will, and everything that Jesus said and did is God's will. So, in order to be confident, you have to ask according to the will of God. Amen? Amen. How do you know if God wants you to have what you want? Did he say it in his word? Amen? Does God want you to have clothes? Yes, he said it in his word. Does God want you to have shelter? Yes, he said it in his word, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things shall be added to you. Talking about food, clothing, shelter. Does God want you uh, to live a good life? Yes, he said, I've come to give you an abundant life. More than enough for too much life, amen? These are things that God wants, so these are praying according to his will. Amen? 
If you want to be confident in your prayer, see, if you want prayers to prevail, you've got to have some confidence. A confident person does not act like Charlie Brown going to kick the football. How many know that every time he goes to kick that football, Lucy pulls that sucker away and he falls flat on his back? Why do you keep letting her hold the ball? Charlie Brown, right? Confidence is not Eeyore. How many know Eeyore was not confident? He was a doubtful donkey. (laughs) Okay? Now, when we ask according to his will, what happens? What are those last three words? Why does he hear you? Because God performs his word. God is waiting to hear his word so that he can perform it. And when he hears the word coming out of you, he knows that you're in faith. When you are speaking the word back to God, you have entered into the faith zone or the faith arena. Amen? Okay, he goes on. Verse 15. And if we know he hears us, well, how do you know he hears you? Because you asked according to what? See, if you ask according to God's word, you, you know that you know that you know that he hears you. Why? God hears his word. God loves his word. This is how you know he hears you. This is how you know he's listening because you're praying. I'm telling you your words, God. Yes, I know. Those are my words. I'm listening to you. You got my attention. Amen. Okay. If we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we what? We know that we what? What's the what? We know that we have. Everybody say have. Have means to possess. How many know that when you pray in faith, you've got to know that you already got it when you start praying? This is praying in faith. Amen? We know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Okay? All right, let's go to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. This is good. I'm so excited about this. Hallelujah. Look at verse 24. Who's talking here? Jesus is talking here. He says in Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I say unto you, can you trust what Jesus says? Is what Jesus says true? Okay, he's telling you of, this is coming directly from the word's mouth. Okay? <laughs> therefore I say unto you, it's like the word is, is giving you a pep talk. Okay? I say unto you, what things soever you desire. How many desire some things? The only thing that you got to make sure is, is, do your desires line up with the word? Right? For example, if someone's married, you can't desire someone who's already married to be your spouse. That goes against God's word. Right? So, but when you're in line with God's word, your desires are going to be in line with his desires. Okay? When whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, what do you have to do when you pray? Believe what? Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Believing you receive is now. Having them is whenever you have them. Amen. But you got to believe you receive them now. 
Amen. So when you pray the prayer of faith, you are believing that you receive what you're already praying for. How many know the woman with the issue of blood, right? She believed that she received her healing when she started making her way to Jesus. Otherwise, she wouldn't have made her way to Jesus. Her belief was so strong, she knew that she was healed. It was just a matter of touching him. That was just a formality, right? But she already knew it in her heart. She already believed it in her heart. She believed it so much that she went into action. Amen? How many know the the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was vexed with the devil, right? She came to Jesus. At first, he didn't say anything. Uh, Then the disciples said, turn her away. Then he said, you're of the wrong race. Then he said, I don't give the word to dogs. She said, I just need a crumb. Just give me a crumb, right? She hung in there, right? She, she, She demonstrated that she had faith. Why? Faith doesn't quit, okay? What is the prayer of faith? Um, see, you guys asked the right questions. The prayer of faith speaks the language of heaven. How do you know you're praying in faith? You're speaking the language of heaven. What's the language of heaven? The W-O-R-D. How many, how many speak wordish? Right? I speak wordish? Yeah. That's the language of heaven. Why? This originated in heaven. This is the language of heaven. Faith speaks the language of heaven. All right? The prayer of faith is believing what God said. It's believing what God said, and it's receiving what God said as true, as the absolute truth. Right? Say, what God said is so. Okay? Just, now, let me just take a, mo- just take a little break here. Abraham wanted us, he was promised a son, right? Did he have a son? Well, not in the beginning, right? He didn't have a son in the beginning. How did his son, how did his son come into being? He believed what God said. And yes, it took some time, but he kept believing what God said. He kept believing what God said, and he started saying what God said. I am Abraham. I am Abraham. I'm Abraham. I'm Abraham. And then something clicked, right? Him and, he got a twinkle in his eye. And he said, Sarah, honey, baby. <laughs> right? And they got together and they had a son. But that came about solely based on what God said. There was no other evidence, no other reason, no other uh, way that that could have come about other than what God said. Okay? Okay? So, the pr- praying in faith, it speaks the language of heaven, believes what God has said, it receives what God said is true, it trusts wholly in the word of God as the direction of what should happen. Right? You need healing in your body. Well, you can go to God because he's the healer. Right? He can... Take a body that's broken and not working and make it fixed and working and make it whole again. Amen? And most of the people who got healed in the Gospels were healed by their own faith. They were, they were in faith coming to Jesus. Right? How about the, 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 the one-tenth of the ten, ten lepers? Right? The ten lepers called to Jesus and they said, Oh, Lord, have mercy on us. 
and uh, something happened in him, right? He said, go show yourself to the priest. Well, while, while one of them, one out of ten, ten percent, was going, he noticed that he was healed. And he came back and he worshipped Jesus. He worshipped the word. Guess what? He got into faith. He believed what Jesus said, and he came and worshipped Jesus. He was made whole. The, the other nine were not made whole because they still had to go show themselves to the priest. But the one who came back and honored Jesus, who worshipped him, he was in faith. He got whole. Amen? Okay. All right? The, the prayer of faith is fully convinced, fully persuaded that what God said shall happen. Amen? You may not have it, and you don't need any other evidence. You don't need to present uh, any other evidence. You've already got your evidence. It's the word of God. That's all that I need. Amen? Okay? The prayer of faith is when your words are aligned with God's words and you speak the same thing. You speak the same thing. Faith is, faith expects. Faith has an expectancy about it. Faith is joyful. Right? Faith is confident. Faith is resting. And faith knows. In other words, you can't do anything to convince a person in faith otherwise. Faith doesn't walk around like this. Faith walks around like this. Oh, it's on the way. It's coming. It's mine. I have it right now. You're rejoicing it before you even see it and feel it. Why? Because you've got a picture of it on the inside of you. It's a firm picture on the inside of you. This is what it means to be in faith. See, the prayer of faith is a certain type of prayer. Amen? And notice what he said in verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive. Faith doesn't have a bad attitude. You can't be in faith and have a bad attitude at the same time. If you're expressing a bad attitude with unforgiveness or bitterness or anything like that, you're not in faith. You just walked out the door of faith. You left the arena. Faith has left the building. Right? See, in order to be in faith, your attitude has to line up with Jesus' attitude. Your behavior has to line up with Jesus' behavior. Come on. You can't just live a, a sinful life and expect to be in faith. You can't be disobedient to God. Faith obeys God. Faith doesn't disobey God. The moment you disobeyed God, you walked out of faith. But here's the good news. If you walked out of faith, you can walk back in. Amen? Faith is a matter. Listen, if you made a mistake and you got out of faith, you can repent and you'll be, faith is restored right there. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God always has an open door. You can always, if you leave, you can always come back home. <laughs> right? So these are characteristics of faith. Go to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. And look at verse 22. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you what? Shall receive. That means it can't go any other way. Glory to God. Just like the thief on the cross. He believed. 
and he got into heaven. He couldn't do anything else but believe. All he could do was believe in Jesus. And in that moment, in his last moment on this earth, he was hanging on a cross. His body was bleeding. His body was, he was a thief. He knew he was a thief. He was guilty. But he put faith in Jesus. And the moment he put faith in Jesus, that was all he needed. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he walked into paradise with Jesus. Glory to God. My goodness. Faith is so powerful. Glory to God. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Starting with verse 5. Has... Have you ever been to a place where you didn't know what to do? Or you didn't know how to respond? Or you didn't know how to get out of the situation that you're in? Okay? James was there. (laughs) Right? And he said, if any of you lack wisdom, yeah, we're lacking wisdom. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it. We don't know what to say. We don't know what scripture to use. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of who? Ask of God. Is asking of God. Isn't that prayer? Okay. Let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and abradeth not. Right? And it shall be given. Isn't that good news? He he, he lets us know something about God. God's a generous giver and God's not going to hold it against you and God will give you what you ask for when it's according to his will. Does God want you to have wisdom? Absolutely. Jesus is our wisdom. He's given us the spirit of wisdom. Amen. But notice verse 6. But let him ask how? In faith. Believing. Nothing wavering. See, faith doesn't waver. Faith doesn't look to two solutions. Well, if I hold on to the doctor and to Jesus. Listen, well, you can hold on to both of them, but the doctor's limited. The doctors can only do what the doctors can only do. But, but someone can do a whole lot more. All right? You've got to hold to one opinion. See, to waver means to hold to two opinions. I'm healed. I'm not. I'm healed. I'm not. I'm healed. I'm not. What am I doing? I'm wavering. Make up your mind. Which are you? I know who I am. I'm the healed. Right? Everybody say, I know who I am. Say, I am the healed. I am the saved. I am the filled. I am the prosperous. I am the joyful. I am the excited. Hallelujah. You got to know who you are. That's a person who doesn't, a person who doesn't waver is someone who knows who they are. And they can express it with confidence and boldness and not back down. But let him ask in faith nothing Wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven. The the devil drives, God leads. There's a difference. Driven with the wind. For let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. So if you're if you start to pray for something from God and you're wavering, you gotta change. 
You, you're not going to get anything wavering. Amen? you got to zero in on the Lord's station. Right? Wavering is like a bunch of static. But faith is, you're zeroed in on the station, and it's coming in clear. Amen? Let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I've heard people say, oh, I want God to heal me. Why hasn't God healed me? I want God to heal me. Why hasn't God healed me? That's wavering. That's not faith. You haven't believed you received. That means you're not going to get it. That's not how heaven talks. Jesus didn't say, oh, I think I'll go to earth and say, oh, maybe not. I think I'm going to go to earth and give my life. Maybe not. No, he didn't say that. He came to earth and gave his life a sacrifice. It wasn't an issue. Never once in his 33 and a half years did he waver. From his mission, from his calling, from who he is, he never wavered. And the enemy tried to doubt, if you're the son of God. I know I'm the son of God, man. Don't tell me who I am. I know who I am. See, when you know who you are, the devil can't, the devil can't say who you are. Jesus knew who he was. But the devil said, well, if you're the son of God. Listen, pal, I know I'm the son of God. And I'm going to bust your jaw. <laughs> hey, man. All right, let's go back to James 5 and let's finish this up. Look at verse 16. And confess your faults to one another. Uh Uh-oh. That takes faith, doesn't it? You got to know that you're talking to someone in faith, too. (laughs) Confess... Confess your faults to one another and what? What's the purpose of confessing your faults? Pray for one another that you may be what? Healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or makes much power available. This is a prayer that prevails right here. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Then he says in verse 17, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. Elijah was just like you and I. Now notice what he did. And he prayed how? How did he pray? Earnestly fervently, with some passion, with some effort. He he got in there, amen? That it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth. Would you say that that's a prayer that produces results? Could you do that? Some of you aren't sure. What did he say? Elijah was just like you and I. He wasn't different. If Elijah could stop the rain... You could stop the rain. What right did Elijah have to stop the rain? Did you know that Elijah had scriptural proof to stop the rain? I'm going to show it to you. Go to Deuteronomy 11. My goodness. 
In other words, when Elijah stopped the rain, he had a scriptural basis. He was giving God's word back to him to stop the rain from falling on the earth. Deuteronomy 11, verse 13. Oh, my goodness. Whoo, I get so excited. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, the word, which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you, God's promising to give you, the rain of your land in its due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your corn, your wine, and your oil. I will send grass in your fields for your cattle that you may eat and and be full. Take heed to yourselves that that your heart be not deceived. And you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you and shut up the rain from heaven that there be, or shut up the heaven that there be no rain and the land yield not her fruit unless you perish quickly off the good land which the Lord your God gives you. What kind of king was Ahab in Elijah's day? The Bible describes him as the most wicked king up to that point. He got Israel to get into Baal worship. He hosted false prophets, prophets of Baal, at his table at the palace. His wife Jezebel promoted idol worship. That's why Elijah came on the scene as a voice for God, and he said, God God told him to appear before Elijah. He said, at my word, it shall not rain, but at my word, it shall rain again. He had scriptural basis for making that demand because of the times that he, and you and I are just like Elijah. You and I are just like Elijah. We have the same passion. We have the same makeup. We have the same nature. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he had a scriptural reason to close up the windows of heaven. And Elijah prayed. He prayed in faith. How do we know he prayed in faith? Because it produced results. The heavens were shut up for three and a half years. And during the three and a half years where there was no rain, crops couldn't grow. But yet the man of God who pronounced it, he was in the famine. But yet God provided for him in a famine. Can you say amen? God made sure that he had food. Ravens brought him food. God made sure he had water. He could drink from the brook, Cherith. But it was his prayer in faith. All right? Glory to God. All right, go to 1 Kings. Hallelujah. First Kings chapter 18, verse 41. And then I'm done. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a what? A sound. There's a sound today. There's a sound. It may be the rattling of dry bones, or it may be the forming of thunder. Amen? There is a sound of abundance 
of rain. He heard a sound before there was any evidence in the sky of rain. Why? He had a promise of God. He killed the prophets of Baal. So guess what? When you kill prophets, when you kill the false prophets, idolatry stops. Isn't that interesting how that works? You kill the false prophets, right? Now listen. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of, of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. What's he doing? He's praying. He, what's, how's he praying? He's praying in faith. He's praying prayers that prevail. He's praying prayers that produce results. He's speaking the language of heaven. He's speaking the word of God. Amen? And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. I want you to notice, he said there's a sound of abundance of rain before he ever saw any evidence. He believed he received rain before there was rain. Come on, somebody. He believed he received rain before there was rain. Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Oh, we might as well just quit. God didn't answer my prayer. That's what some people would say, but not Elijah. And he said, go again. How many times? Seven times. Listen, sometimes if you don't hear something on the first one, keep going. Don't quit. Don't stop. Keep going. Pray again. Amen. Did you know that even Jesus laid hands on someone twice? (gasps) Jesus did? Yeah. It was a blind man. He laid his hands on him. He said, what do you see? He said, I see men like trees. He laid his hands on him again. What happened? No, now I see clearly. Double, double. Right? But some people get so discouraged because they don't hear anything the first time. Just keep praying. Seven times. I mean, Naaman had to dip in the Jordan more than once. My goodness, if you have to go through a drive through twice, it's okay. If you, didn't get, if, you, if you didn't get the order right the first time, go through again. Amen? Go get it again. You say, Listen, you didn't get my order right. They will make it right. Because you already paid the bill. Amen? Oh, goodness. And it came to pass. Oh, my goodness. It came to pass at the seventh time. Everybody say the seventh time. Not the first time, not the second time, not the third time, not the fourth, but the seventh time. Hallelujah. If you can hang in there for seven times. There arise a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. Everybody hold up your hand. A cloud this big, he saw. My goodness. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and get down that the rain don't stop you or the rain stop you not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds. Clouds. The the cloud like a man's hand multiplied. It became more than one cloud. Amen. God's about to send some rain on this place. Why? Because my prophet prayed according to my word. He prayed in faith. And I'm going to answer his prayer because that's the kind of God I, that's the kind of God I am. And when and there was a great rain. 
And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. The Spirit of God came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel, which is about, I don't know, 9, 10, or 12 miles. He, he, he pulled up his tunic, and he, he, he took off, and the Spirit of God made him run faster than the king's chariots. Glory to God. When you pray in faith, the Holy Spirit will partner with you. Amen? And he will cause your prayers to prevail. But you got to be in faith. Nothing doubting. You can't doubt God. You can't doubt whether or not God will do it for you. God does it for the least and for the greatest. What God did for one, he will do for another. Amen? You will not be left out. All you've got to do is put your faith in God. And he'll see you through. And this is how you have prayers that prevail. Amen? Did you learn something today? Did you see something today? You're going to practice this today? Why don't you stand to your feet? And Father... We want to come before you today in the name of Jesus. And we want to pray, Father, for countries that are invaded by other countries that seem bigger and more powerful in the name of Jesus, like that of Ukraine, like that that's occurred throughout history in the name of Jesus. And Father, we ask you that you can turn this thing around just like you did for Hezekiah and Sennacherib, Lord. You answered his prayer that he prayed in your house. Father, we magnify God in this place and we give you thanks and praise, Lord. We are standing in the gap for unsaved loved ones, unsaved uh, associates, unsaved friends, unsaved family members in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we are doing according to the word of God. We're going to open up our mouths and we're going to prophesy. And we're going to say, dry bones, dead bones, you come out of this grave, you come out of death, and you come into life right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, send the conviction of God. Convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment in the name of Jesus. Open their eyes of understanding so that they can see their need for a Savior in the name of Jesus. And we give you thanks and praise. It is God's will for all men to be saved and none to perish in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we stand in the gap today and we intercede, Father, for those who have never confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. And we pray, Lord, that they would be drawn to you in the name of Jesus. They would come up out of that grave, Father, and they would go for the the life giver. They would go for the Lord God Almighty and they would... Uh, believe in their hearts that you raised him from the dead and they will confess with their mouth that he is Lord and they shall be saved in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. This morning, if you have a need in your life, doesn't matter what it is, if you need healing, if you need provision, if you need wisdom, if you need direction, God's got it here. And if you come in faith, you are going to receive it right now, right here, right now, in the name of Jesus. Our God is a miracle-working God. This is a house of miracles. Amen. We believe in miracles. I know that you guys are believers. Amen. But if you have a need in your life, I want to come. I want you to invite you to come up right now in the name of Jesus. Be quick. Be quick. If you have a need, hallelujah.
God's going to meet that need? Why? Because you're coming in faith. You have entered the faith arena. You have chosen 